Hello and welcome to Explain Conversations, but first, introduce yourself. I'm Ezra. I'm Ruby. I'm Mark. And a special guest today, but before that, let's cue the intro. It's a special episode today. Woo! Yahoo! Woo! All right. Anyway, if you want to listen more to our previous episodes and keeping updates of what we're up to, we are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And also, check us out on Instagram at Explain Conversations. And also, uh, why don't we welcome our guest for today? Let's give a shout out to Marcus Lee. Hello. Hi, Hi everyone. Marcus. <laughs> Hi everyone. Glad to be here. Marcus works behind the scenes every week for us. And uh, if I'm going with the anatomy lingo, he's like the breeding system. He's like the bronchus or or some part of the lungs. Without him, uh, these things won't work. And uh, if you wonder why he's with us here today, he's got some insights for this special episode. Oh, well, well, since we are on a special episode, the whole Christian world is shaken by the news about Ravi Zacharias and his nefarious acts. I mean, if you guys haven't been up to date of what happened right after his death, somebody opened up about his sexual misconduct and abuse of power. So this prompted his ministry, RZIM, to investigate and to their shock and our shock, there, there were multiple cases in various places across the world, not just one victim, but many victims. All of this committed by the very person the Christian world admires or has ever heard of. I mean, I learned that it brought such damage to people and then a lot of Christian figures are breaking ties with RZIM and many bookstores have stopped selling his writings. So let us today come and discuss on the ministry and how we are going to move forward on this. Personally, I don't admire Ravi as an apologist. And uh, neither do I admire him as a, as a theologian, but wow, I have a huge respect for the impact that RZIM has made throughout the world and making disciples and kind of make Christians think about their faith. But uh, I think like what Ruby has mentioned, it damages people. Uh, it, he made disciple many, but his past behaviors have the potential to bring that huge damage to people that he discipled. So um, I don't have a lot to say, but I have questions to ask, and I think it's easy to say that he's human no matter what, and we should exercise grace and truth, but I kind of like to hear what you guys have to say about Ravi's uh, pull from grace. Well, I knew uh, Ravi's ministry um, early on back in 2008, 2009, um, when I was in seminary, I was trying to find a way to explain myself and my journey in uh, seeking Christ. And I realized that it was apologetic, but at the same time, I didn't know the words or how to explain why I believed in Christ in the midst of other religions available in Malaysia until Ravi comes in and eloquently does a great comparison with other worldviews to discuss the necessity of the existence of God, the uniqueness and exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And I found his words very, it resonates with what I wanted to say. 
So I'm very thankful for the words that he has said. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know if I am uh, a little, dare I say it, but I do believe that I have developed my own means and model of apologetics. I have developed my own identity and I believe I've matured to a point where I don't look at Ravi as uh, an idol where I depend my salvation on, but I look at him as a big brother who has uh, provided me a voice and an eloquence to, to speak about my faith. Uh, and so hearing him and uh, the allegations that are put against him, uh, I am saddened. But at the same time, I am uh, not too fixed or not too hurt from the allegations that is being said because he's a fallen brother. I want to forgive him. I want to have him be at peace. I want him to have his point with God and that he may uh, hold, be held accountable. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the message which he shared, the gospel, continues to be true. And I want to stand on that and, this, and go on from there. Yeah, likewise, I, I think my experience and my thoughts resonate um, a lot with Mark. Um, I think it's extremely tragic and heartbreaking um, because Ravi was the one who um, propelled me further to pursue the truth of Christianity during my university days um, as well. Um, he wasn't the one who introduced apologetics to me, but he certainly was the first to propel me into the ministry. Uh, I admire him also for his eloquence, as Mark has said, and his ability to give a response to those who question him about Christianity. Uh, in fact, I, I do believe that many who listen to him want to learn um, his eloquence in, in giving an answer. Um, so his death was an event that I grieved over. Um, and now with the exposure of um, his past sins, it is even more painful to think about, let alone speak of. Um, and since RZIM has just released a statement from the investigation, uh, I read the report and in all honesty, uh, I must say that it, it, it made my heart wrench because of how serious that was. Um, and with regards to you know, what you just said, Ezra, um, I agree that he is human and this is something that we must uh, remember as well as we talk about any is this issue. We often hear the adage, you know, to err is human. And I think that is certainly true and something we must remember as we, you know, continue to converse. Um, and we ought to be gracious in our conduct and speech uh, as a reflection of the grace of God um, that he has demonstrated to us. Um, but at the same time, I know that whenever we say that he is a mere human being, there is a tendency to belittle the problem uh, and the issue at hand and sometimes to even sweep it under the carpet. And we've certainly seen many of these uh, comments on social media where you know, people just say, just let the dead man be his dead. And I think that it is appropriate um, for all Christians to take caution that while we do sin and fall short of the glory of God, um, that sin and falling short is not an insignificant thing and uh, especially when we look at the price our, our lord and savior jesus paid on the cross so uh, we take what has happened seriously because the bible demands that we do so and of course i look forward to unpacking more of the issue and hope that our conversation brings to our listeners 
um, much comfort um, that's needed in this time. Yeah, definitely I want to echo what Marcus said in that uh, we want justice to be served. Explain Apologetics would like to recognize that the victims who were, uh, who were subjugated to uh, the allegations that are held against Ravi, I want to say that uh, you deserve justice, you deserve the truth, and you deserve uh, and you deserve some means of uh, of uh, recompense to uh, in light of what you have gone through. Yes, Ravi has passed on, but I do believe we, as the community of Christ, ought to rise up. And while we may say that we for that God in His grace may forgive Ravi, uh, we ourselves must hold to uh, an accountability and any means of what we can do to help the victims uh, come to a sense of justice or come at peace to the situation. So we just want to say that, in fact, the reason why we are responding is because we ourselves want to take a reflection of the situation and uh, be able to learn from this as well so that we uh, will never repeat even the shadow of the same mistake of what has happened with RZIM and Raviji himself. Yeah, I agree to that. Um, yeah, just to add on, also just one last thing that, you know, as we, when we discuss, you know, how we are about to go about this topic, one of the things that we, we emphasize before we even head into this conversation is we don't want to be holier than thou. We, we don't want to come across um, harshly, too harshly, because we recognize that this is a time where there is a lot of serious hurt. There is a lot of serious pain. So we hope that um, God uses this for the benefit of all of you who are listening as well. Yeah, I mean, I've actually been um, reading the comments and actually hearing, um, you know, thoughts from various people the these past few days, and I've also been thinking about it. Uh, but the funny thing is that the, this issue really didn't catch me by surprise. Um, and that also shocked me, you know, uh, because the more... I think about human depravity. I mean, I mean, who are we all kidding? This world is fallen and many people will tend to fall. And But that doesn't give anyone the right to use it as an excuse, you know, when they fall. Um, I guess perhaps uh, people have put him on a pedestal and it's why they find it very hard to stomach it. So, you know, uh, having met him personally, I can only say a few things that I felt in my heart and my mind. Um, I always saw Ravi Zacharias as an academian, and that would never change because that is what that was his flair, okay, towards academia. I didn't see him as a pastor or a theologian or a priest or whatever. I saw him as just an academian. And sad is it as it may be, Ravi is not the only person who has done such atrocities. I mean, there are many atrocities that have been done in secret, people suffering in silence with their sin and torturing others with it. The fact of the matter is that we do not know what happened at the end of his day, you know, whether he repented or whether he confessed, did he even feel remorse? I mean, that was all running in my head. And honestly, no one would ever know. I mean, that is for the father to judge. Yes, the families of the victims, like Marcus said, and you know, Mark said, you know, the victims did suffer. And we are also in a culture where people love sweeping things under the rug. Let it be known that nothing can be hidden in darkness. And, you know, what about his books? I was thinking also, you know, what about his books and, you know, his publications and all that. So to me, nothing has changed. It will only change if, you know, if he placed his books higher than the authority of scripture. 
And that's how I look at it. You know, his books is nowhere near the Bible. And so if we would have put his books, like, you know, on the pedestal, like how we put him on the pedestal, then I think that's the issue. That's how I look at it. Yeah, we're going to go a little deeper into uh, the topic later, but I think it's a good time for me to just share that. Yeah, uh, I would like to first uh, give compliment also to RZIM for disclosing the, whole, the report, for disclosing the steps ahead, for keeping us aware of the situation, because like in what the websites say, uh, they want to make public this private situation because they want to give God glory. They want to uh, be accountable. They want to... Uh, seek forgiveness, and they also want to uh, come out of this with a gospel response to it. And I think what they're doing is definitely much better in than in the past. It is definitely in contrast to the history of the past where big institutions will try to hide scandals, you know, and uh, we've seen that in the past, particularly and very publicly, the Roman Catholic Church hiding a long list of uh, of uh, child molestation and child rape in the history in the past. So they tried to sweep it, but it was found out and it was exposed very, very badly. So I really thank RZIM for going against that. At the same time, I would like to stand alongside RZIM to, uh, to give them that space to be able to, uh, to seek forgiveness and also to seek clarity in the next steps forward. I refuse, like them, I refuse to... Uh, stand alongside with the cancel culture today where just because something bad happened they think we will just oh we will we will burn it at the stake and pretend like it, that like it never happened it did happen in fact to forget about it in in fact to annihilate it out of memory actually does no actually does worse than than injustice it does no justice and it actually ends up in a realm of indifference so we're going through this process it is painful, it is tough, it's going to be quite long, but we pray that in all this, we will give God glory, we will be transparent, and we will also learn uh, as the community of Christ so as we will not repeat the mistake as best as we can. I recall before I went into full-time ministry, uh, I was given this nugget of wisdom, and, and the nugget of wisdom goes like this. So your calling uh, requires a degree of holiness but of course, in that degree of holiness, it comes to the attention that we're not perfect. We're still sinful people. And uh, speaking of that, uh, the common conduct in the, in the church uh, goes as when a clergy, when a preacher falls into grave sins like adultery, uh, money laundering, abuse of power, etc., cetera, uh, we need to excommunicate them or put them under some sort of disciplinary actions. Um, I guess this is where we can relate to the cancel culture that we see regarding uh, Ravi Zacharias's fall from grace. And the only problem here is his fall from grace doesn't affect him alone, but it affects his ministry and his family more than him. And, and you can kind of see uh, Christian figures denouncing, uh, denouncing any form of relation to him, uh, bookstores, churches, the same thing. Uh, bookstores stopped selling his publications and then churches decided, oh, I don't want to get involved with Ravi and RZIM in, uh, as a whole. Um, do you think this is appropriate? And if not, what is the right attitude? It certainly would be. Um, in response to such uh, 
you know, such a, a, a tragic news. And um, I think we can't, we can't expect anything less than a, a radical response as well. Um, yeah, I do agree uh, with you, uh, with that nugget of wisdom that you shared, that the Bible does uh, remind us, especially in the book of Titus, that leaders who serve the body of Christ, uh, we must be above reproach. Um, in fact, it goes on in chapter 1, verse 8, to say that we must be upright and holy. And uh, lest anyone thinks that Paul was just placing this criteria on leaders alone, um, he pushes the argument further back in uh, chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 12, to all who have received the salvation of God. And so we, we, we thus do well to remember that we as Christians, uh, without any position of authority, are also called um, to live to such a standard. Specifically, in Ravi's case, um, well, there's no option to excommunicate him, uh, you know, with, as with living uh, preachers or, or probably living Christians. Um, but as to whether bookstores and churches should remove his books, I do agree with what Pastor Mark has shared and in fact what Ruby has, has also mentioned earlier. I'm of the personal opinion that they shouldn't. Uh, while his sins are definitely condemnable, uh, and we, we all agree that um, sin is sin, it's serious. Um, some of his materials uh, are beneficial to Christians who struggle with questions about the faith. It certainly has helped me. It certainly has helped many people around the world. And, and the, the testimony um, that has been given throughout the years um, by, by many Christians of how Ravi's book has helped them cannot be ignored. We, 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 would, we should recognize that. We should honor that as well. Um, but if we are to apply this same principle to every author, you know, I doubt we'll have any book for sale uh, who is without sin, right? His works then should be considered uh, and critiqued separately from his lifestyle. And if his works teach biblical teachings, uh, I think that it will definitely be beneficial for the community of Christians. That being said, we live in a culture that um, you have rightly commented is cancelling one another. And so I guess some measures need to be taken um, by individual organizations as they deem fit. However, I do encourage all um, to examine what is being said rather than to dismiss his works based on his lifestyle. So uh, whether it's appropriate or not, I think this is a very difficult question uh, to answer. Uh, I myself am not personally too experienced with uh, ministry and work to, to comment uh, too much about it. So I think I'll leave it up to Mark to fill in a bit more since he has a bit more experience in this area. Okay, so let's take, a, let's take an example of a person in Christian ministry in a church, a preacher, for example, and he has fallen to sin. I do think excommunication is a bit too harsh. I do believe that that is the cancel culture, and I don't think that is appropriate. In fact, what I do know in, in church discipline, and you can take a look at uh, tons of good literature that's being uh, written up by ninemarks.org, especially in the works of uh, Jonathan Lehman regarding the topic of church discipline. Um, excommunication is not the automatic thing. What they are doing in the background is that uh, if a minister were to were to uh, be found or caught in a very uh, in a very depraved 
uh, sin, what happens is that they get uh, pulled from the pulpit and they actually go through counseling, they go through reconciliation, they go through uh, uh, a real review as to what they've said, and of course, they will seek for repentance, they will seek for uh, for restoration, they set for, they'll, they'll seek for reconciliation, and it'll take time. Some may not be able to come back into, uh, into, that, into the same ministry, some can. Uh, some will have to move on to their chapter to a different ministry or a different location. It will vary from person to person. What must be focused is the idea of reconciliation, restoration. We hope to do that. And I do believe the same thing should be done with the likes of Rabbi Zacharias. Now, he has passed on. He's gone to the maker and the ultimate judge. And so we leave God to deal with him as he sees fit with both grace and justice. But for us here in, RZI, uh, uh, in response to RZIM as a ministry and as an organization, I think it is right uh, for... Uh, for publications and for bookshops, for example, to perhaps keep the books aside for a while first and wait. Uh, I like to take the example of organizations like Ligonier, like uh, 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 Reasonable Faith, and also uh, even the likes of uh, dear friends to Ravi Zagarias like uh, Edmund Chan. If they reply, they reply towards the person towards the person with great love and affection. If they do any reflection, there's actually more towards themselves. What can they learn from the scenario? And when it comes to the actions that RZIM should do in light of the scenario, I like the way these ministries have gone about it. And that is they don't give any suggestions. They are waiting for RZIM to... Uh, write a response and be able to come up with a list of actions which they think would be all right and we will prayerfully discern and aid them and encourage them to the next steps forward. This, uh, In doing this, we hope to, well, not we, but RZIM, I do hope that RZIM would do this uh, not just to reconcile Ravi's personality and ministry to the community, but also to safeguard all the other speakers that are tied to RZIM. So Vince Vitale, uh, the late Nabil Qureshi, uh, uh, Amy O. Ewing, uh, Oz Guinness, all these great speakers by their own, speakers and writers by their own right, uh, they should have uh, a means to be able to continue their ministry uh, without having the shadow of someone else's grievances over their heads. So I think that's a process that they will go through. And I think that's a process that we will have to go through as well as we think about the formats and the, and the formulas that Ravi G himself had, had given. Like for example, the four, the four questions that uh, apologetics must answer, origin, meaning, morality, destiny. It's still a formulation that I respect. It's still a formulation that I think I will use. Uh, Ravi's memory will always be behind it, you know, uh, and his fallenness will remind me that we actually approach these topics and these uh, questions on the world, on Christian worldview, very humbly and very much in self-reflection as well.
So I think that these are some things that we need to consider uh, as we prayerfully uh, encourage and edify RZIM and every Christian ministry going through a process of uh, self-reflection and uh, going through a process of responding to the scenario at hand. Ravi has written a lot of books. Uh, Ravi has given many talks. He inspired the likes of uh, the names that uh, you just mentioned, Mike, uh, the late Nabil Kurashi, Abdul Murray, uh, Vince Vitale, Annie Ori Wing, and, and so forth and so forth. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Let's, let's be honest about it. But uh, he carried quite a great baggage of sin. And um, the irony is, is it's well hidden, uh, as in we're talking about the great baggage of sin. And it's really well hidden until his death. Although, yes, there were court cases. Uh, still, he, uh, he wanted. He, uh, some people kind of took it back to themselves. And so here's, here's a reflection, though. Uh, what does this teach us as Christians? Admiring our favorite pastors, admiring our theologians, worship leaders, or day-to-day uh, -day preachers. So I'm speaking as uh, as a spectator. So let's go from the angle of spectator to the scenario where one of our uh, great uh, uh, contenders in the faith, which we are fans of, uh, he has fallen and he has come to this uh, state where we have to make amends or, or understand what is going on here. So two things. One is that if you are a person who received Christ through the works of Rabbi Zacharias, I pray that what you are going through now is that I hope that you will look at Ravi as a vessel of the truth. Yes, the vessel is compromised, the vessel is tainted, the vessel is dirty, but just as what the scriptures have encouraged us, that though we are dirty vessels, we actually bear the greatest gift to all humanity, and that is the truth of the gospel. So, if you are hurt because the vessel uh, has been very much uh, compromised, I don't blame you. I give you time to grieve, but I also want to encourage you that the content matters most, and that is the content of the gospel, which continues to remain to be true, to which then we bear it as well. With that also, I want to encourage you in that it also tells us that we need to uh, go beyond our heroes. We need to mature beyond our heroes. We need to mature to a point to say that we say this not because Ravi has said it, but we said it because it's true. We say it, we say it not because uh, Ravi said it so eloquently, but truth in itself is eloquent, albeit it could be offensive to some. These are words and these are truths which we have to bear and own to ourselves. And when we do that, even when our heroes fall, the gospel will continue to rise. So I want to encourage those who hold on to the gospel uh, because of Ravi, uh, continue to press on, hold on to it, and may he who begin a good work in you will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus. That's one thing I'll say. The other thing I will say is that while the process is going through now, we should feel like the younger brother uh, watching our older brother being punished for the wrong that he's done. Okay. Now, if any of you are younger siblings or even older siblings, you know how this feels like, you know, one of your siblings got caught doing something very naughty and the father is coming with the rotan, Abba is coming in to whack and, and to punish. 
and a process of, of punishment is being under is is, is uh, definitely underway, and it is being done uh, through RZIM's uh, mediation and also through mediation with the with the law firm. And now we need to come to a, a point of uh, conclusion and reconciliation. While we are while we are watching this, okay, we have two ways to respond to this. One is that we may be immature like we always were before when we are the younger sibling looking at our older sibling getting punished and we can just laugh and say, oh, I'm glad it's not me. But maturely, I would recommend that we ourselves will look at our older brother who is being uh, found guilty to the fault and to, uh, to the fault that he is uh, have to hold accountable, at least his organization will definitely have to hold accountable too. And then ask ourselves, you know, uh, what are some things that we can do to avoid not getting caught, but to avoid falling into this predicament in the first place. So quite automatically or at the back of my head, first and foremost, I would say that uh, while RZIM and Explain Apologetics, we are parachurch organizations. We are here to aid the church. But at the same time, we as individuals in the organization should still be held accountable to the church. And so I expect myself and I expect anyone who is part of Explain Apologetics or anyone who will want to stand up in the discipline of apologetics will still first and foremost remember who they are. They are a child of God who are held in accountability with, to the bride of Christ that is the church. And we should always be uh, open and accountable to one another and to our church and to our respective churches to whom we then have a covenant relationship with. Um, the other thing, of course, is that we want to make sure that accountability is as quick and as efficient as possible. Uh, that being so, that being said, uh, I promise you, uh, explain apologetics does not have enough money to have discretionary funds for the founders to use <laughs> at any given time. You know, uh, we're we're not there yet. But if we ever are, I want to say that we will never be in a position where we will have our own discretionary funds to just fund and do whatever we want of it and then explain later. No, that's not how it works, especially with technology today. It's just so easy. You know, I'll just give Marcus a call or I will give the, 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 the team a call and say, hey, you know, I need to give some money to this organization or to this person because he needs it, because he needs it to carry out in ministry or he needs the encouragement. Can I do that? Can I do that, please? And the answer is yes, go ahead, go ahead. And then I will clear it out first and then we will, and then we will do the filing later means of communication must be clear, you know? Uh, I don't want to do it first, I don't want to do it and then explain later. I want to be uh, transparent and I want to uh, go with a consensus of us as an organization to ensure that wherever you do, we do it with the charity of Christ, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God the Father. So I think these are some things we can think of first. Marcus, what about you? Uh, well, I think you certainly uh, covered a lot of the things uh, that I would like to say, and I certainly agree with with almost with all, and not almost all the things you've said. Uh, certainly, when you brought up the um, the analogy of a younger brother and older brother, well, that brings back a lot of haunting <laughs> memories. I'm sure many of you who have siblings can empathize. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely agree with what, what Mark said. Just to add on, um, I think that uh, we certainly can admire pastors, theologians. Um, we, I think one of the greatest gifts that God has given to the church is people who are 
equipped with different gifts whom we can learn from, who can look up to, to teachers and to rebukers. But I think this is also a strong reminder that we ultimately don't look to men, but to God. And in fact, as much as we admire our you know, favorite Christian icons or preachers, theologians, uh, we have to look beyond them, as Mark says, to the, to the one who ultimately deserves our, our attention. And not just um, most of the time, but fully, all of our attention. Um, I love listening to music, and uh, believe it or not, I still listen to Christmas music, although it isn't the season. In fact, I was just listening to it earlier on. Um, the song, Hug the Herald, Angels Sing. And prior to that, I was reading Matthew chapter 1 to 4. What I noticed was Matthew consistently repeats um, through these four chapters the phrase, this was to fulfill, or what was spoken might be fulfilled. And the song then proceeded to the stanza which sings, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness. As I listened to that and it came to that point, I began to see how significant it was that Matthew writes as such and how that dramatically shifts our focus. Matthew was trying to say, look at Jesus. Everything from Isaiah, Hosea, um, Micah, all these prophets, they were talking about him. And then when Jesus was baptized and the Father spoke from above, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, it struck me that this was the climax of the four chapters where you know Matthew writes and then suddenly here the Father himself speaks this is the son. When in the previous, you know, previous uh, events, you know, it was all about this was the fulfilled, this was the fulfilled, and then finally the father speaks, this is my son. And at that that very moment, I, I was, as I listened to the song, I was filled with great joy, really great joy, a kind of joy that that um, overwhelmed the griefs um, that 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 I had as we you know, as I've processed what has happened in, in Ravi's case. Uh, and I think, I think this is, it's, it's something that we, we ought to, to keep in mind, you know, if, if we set our eyes on Christ, and if we were to look at the Son, the Son of God, Son of Man, whom God has sent, um, this would then go beyond our heroes, as Mark said, this would then go beyond um, the failures of the messengers of those who have been entrusted with the message to preach because at the end of the day what Ravi does and in fact what we all do is to point people to to Christ is to point people and tell him of the good news and if you are devastated by this incident if you looked up to him as one of your heroes your favorite preacher as I have in the past um, I pray that you come before God to born I also pray that you find same joy I had in Christ as you read his word and to be able to say hail the son of righteousness because he alone is righteous and Ravi may not be look past our favorite preachers and our Christian icons to the greatest preacher and the very icon of our faith Jesus Christ and as Mark said you know in fact I was just thinking of this verse and he quoted it he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion it's a wonderful verse from Philippians I love playing this uh, form of doc advocate here, as usual. In every episode, you kind of hear me doing this a lot. Um, 
<laughs> uh, <clears throat> so allow me to play that one more time in this episode. Oh. Uh, I have to say that he damaged not only a purity of a person, and when I'm talking about purity of a person, I'm talking about like women's crown, uh, and you know what I mean when I mean that. And um, not only that, he abused his position as a Christian figure, and then he used Christian terms to manipulate people. And so, yes, we we are trying to be you know rational with the the whole. Thing that happened we try to be nice with it but the question is how can a christian uh how can a christian world or anybody in general expect the, these victims to kind of like you know uh i need to let it go i need to show grace i need to learn how to forgive him because it doesn't make sense you see it doesn't make sense and plus also he's dead well let me be uh let me be the cold response first and say this one is that um, if you are one who say that okay what Ravi did was wrong it's evil and because it's evil I will step I will step away from I'll step away from faith and find him guilty well the moment you step away from faith you step away from the very premise as to what is good what is evil what makes what Ravi did to be wrong we have this innate uh, conscience in our mind to know that it is wrong. And we have in our innate conscience in our mind to know that there, should, there ought to be justice. Justice, in order to be seen uh, full and perfect, cannot therefore be complete in this world alone. It must go beyond. That same instrument of justice is also an instrument of grace. And what God has called us to do is that he has called us to forgive just as we also are forgiven. Just as we expect uh, justice to be done onto others, we therefore require justice to be done upon ourselves. And that includes punishment of ourselves as well. So just as much as we would like to expect forgiveness for ourselves, we ought to also then forgive others. This is not a question of uh, personal vindication. In fact, the scriptures reminds us very clearly, vengeance is mine, say the Lord, I will repay. So we need to depend on him for that true reparation or true forgive or, or true uh, vengeance to be given to us in vindication. As for ourselves, just as we ourselves are sinful and therefore we seek God for forgiveness, he calls us then to forgive others so that we may we too may experience the undeserved grace and the unmerited favor which God had given to us through the cross of Jesus. So the cross of Jesus actually becomes a beautiful juxtaposition. It reminds us that number one, uh, the cross is a display of injustice, but in but for the sake of justice, rather than reversing the role, he then gives forgiveness. And that too, we should take as well. Uh, so I hope that the cross will remind us again and again that we do not deserve, uh, we do not deserve the forgiveness, but that's why it's called grace. So just as grace has been given upon ourselves, we should give it unto others and also to Ravi as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think uh, if, if we were to rationalize that 
um, it doesn't make sense to forgive him because he's dead. Um, I think we've missed the point of forgiveness as well. As Mark said, it is a biblical command. Uh, it wasn't just a suggestion, and it was it, we don't we don't merely forgive for the sake of the the transgressor. It also said for us, which which is why I think that you know Jesus in his prayer taught us to to pray and and to say you know, forgive us even as we forgive our debtors. I think it, forgiveness uh, it is is a biblical command. It's something that the Lord has taught us to do as well, and it's certainly true that. We, we have to always keep in mind of our own state. Uh, I think Mark emphasized this so well. And I too can't emphasize this even more. It, the, the problem with people who, who struggle with forgiveness, and I know how this feels because I do have people who I struggle to forgive. I'm not saying this as someone who has perfected the art of forgiveness. Um, and a lot of times that I have to remind myself that if I if I don't forgive the person, um, not if I don't forgive the person, but I stand in a position similar to Ravi. Uh, and I think all of us stand in, in the same position as well. We are all on the receiving end of God's wrath, receiving end of God's judgment. And we have to recognize that that important aspect of the gospel. Um, to those who struggle, um, not because, uh, not, not to say who struggle, but to those who don't ration, rationalize as such and who acknowledge that we should because it's a biblical command, but find it difficult because you've been so hurt and betrayed. Uh, I just want to say I empathized. In fact, saying this is difficult uh, is an understatement, I believe. Um, it is it is truly a, a wicked thing. It is truly a terrible thing. And we wish that uh, none of this had taken place. But again, uh, I encourage you guys to look at what Jesus did on the cross, just as Mark said. And if you can't at the moment, hold fast to God. Keep praying that his spirit will enable you to do so because we all need that. We need that changing work of, of the spirit. In us, and I think this is, uh, I believe this is what Jesus meant when he says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." We need His Spirit to to follow uh, His teachings as well. When we look at how the Christian world today is pretty divided between, uh, one is the cancel culture homies in the church, and then you have the don't judge by uh, don't judge but love, uh, grace mercy fam jams, <clears throat> in regards to this topic, and then. If you read the Bible carefully, it, it goes into a dichotomy on like on a matter of sin and judgment. So the first part is uh, the first part of that this this dichotomy is biblical figures sinned in their calling, and then in their calling, God reveals grace and repentance as well. But the second part, however, it commands us believers not to associate ourselves with a certain group of sinners, uh, particularly the uh, sexually immoral, the adulterers, the revilers, the drunkards, uh, the blasphemers. So in the case of Ravi, who uh, has done pretty much all the stuff that we should not associate ourselves with, uh, is there a middle ground for this? Or if there isn't, uh, where should we stand? 
Well, I think we have to first examine the tax first. Um, that tax particularly about you know, not associating ourselves with certain group of sinners. That's, that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, specifically verses 9 to 13. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole verse, um, but to, to examine it, we, we, need to, we need to know the context in which Paul says this. Paul says so in verse 10 that this, this association is not to be done to sinners outside the church. All right, so we, we, we have to, to, to distinguish between um, those who are outside the church, who are unbelievers, and those who are inside the church who call themselves believers. And, and Paul makes it clear in verse 10 that this is not to be done to sinners outside the church because it is the mission of the church to go into the world preaching the gospel. And, and not just the gospel, but to call people to repent as well. So Paul is not referring to you know anyone outside the church anyone who is a wicked sinner or who is in who's who's involved in such uh, sinful acts you know that we just keep away from them uh, that's certainly not the case paul goes on to clarify this in verse 11 that we are to dispose disassociate ourselves from anyone within the church and i emphasize within the church who call themselves a believer of christ yet continues in such sinful deeds. Uh, it is only in such a situation that uh, we are called to disassociate ourselves from them. And thus, I believe that if Ravi was still alive, uh, such measures would have to be taken uh, if it was found uh, while he was alive. And that, that of course, it's, it's not something that we delight in. That's not something that we rejoice in. But I think it is necessary according to what the Bible teaches. Um, but also, we must also remember that um, Jesus uh, does describe to us a process of reconciliation before we, so to say, disassociate or excommunicate. I think Mark mentioned this earlier. You know, we, there is a process where we go through the counseling and, and all these things uh, before we take um, the, the very radical and, and final step of disassociating them from the community, the, the community of saints. And even so, we when we excommunicate, you know, um, Christians, um, I like to, I, I remember what um, the late Dr. Asis Spro said, and I think this is, this is a great reminder for all so that excommunication is not the end of all things. In fact, as a Christian community, we excommunicate our members for the sake that these things would bring them to repentance, that these things will uh, ultimately lead them um, back to Christ. And when they do so, when they have truly repented, we are supposed to welcome back, them back uh, into our community. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is, we, we have to understand what the text is saying. It's not a blanket statement for everything, but there is a particular context. And I think that if we understand the context, we would know how to, to um, appropriate our actions for the situation. Yeah, let me categorically, um, because it's mentioned Old Testament and New Testament, let me categorically uh, address them. The Old Testament does show repeatedly that there are plenty of these heroic characters that we uh, that we want to elevate them as they could be kings they could be leaders they could be generals they could be judges 
but they fell, they did wrong. And uh, rather than it being quick to say, look, just as God had still put them as an example, let's quickly, let's just quickly forgive them. No, the whole Old Testament actually also tells us how God actually dispenses his punishment. Okay, so for example, King Saul landed on his own sword. King David, the prophet Nathan, actually went up to him and said, you need to repent. And even that also, there's also, there's also a, a consequence to the sin that he, done, that he had done to Uriah and Bathsheba. Uh, King Solomon, there's also, there's also consequences that came out later by generations and the fall of Israel. So number one, the Old Testament, Old Testament should tell us that yes, these people are big characters, but they too are also held accountable. And none of them, this reminds us, especially for Ravi, for those of us who held him as a hero, this actually should give us a blatant reminder that uh, all heroes on earth will have a will have will fall short. The only person that will then glorify, that will then be glorified above all, will be the perfect one that is Jesus Christ on the cross and in his resurrection. He is the perfect one. Every one of the Old Testament characters then point to him. Um, what should we then as a Christian community do in regards to uh, with regards to discipline? I want to recast, and I, I feel like I, I'm bringing this up very often when I converse with people, and that is this. Church discipline is not meant to be mere corporal punishment. It's not meant to just be painful, okay? It's actually meant to be uh, helpful. It's actually meant to be a, a form of... Uh, uh, a, a form of um, it's almost like medical assistance is almost helping people to come out of the uh, of the wrong that they have done into a renewed and reconciled life so what Marcus said earlier Matthew 18 so let's look at that passage very clearly it says that if your brother sin against you approach him approach him and 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 face and face him and to tell him to repent if he does not repent, call another brother to go and to, to go and 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 to uh, and to uh, uh, approach him and to confront him again. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be as well, says Jesus. If not, bring him before the congregation and note him to be as if one who as if one who is yet to believe or as an unbeliever. Now let me ask you this question: What is the church supposed to do to unbelievers? The church is supposed to share the gospel to unbelievers. So just as quickly as we would, uh, as we would reach out to these people who would not admit their sin, and we would say, yes, we need to part fellowship with them, but at the same time, we are still called to share the gospel with them, to love them, to care for them, to show that to show that gospel which is supposed to transform them from the beginning, but now hopefully it will transform them today. Now, with the passing of Ravi Zacharias, what then should we do? I think that is why RZIM, rather than uh, defending themselves or, uh, or close shop altogether in one, in one shot, the first thing that they want to do is that they want to display the gospel way of accountability. Hence the reason why they are playing the role for repentance. They are the ones that's exposing bringing out in full disclosure the full report, responding very clearly that we want to be clear and transparent to the situation. And from the, and hopefully from there, we may be able to help RZIM as an organization to come back to a gospel means and position, however form it may be in the future. 
So let's continue to do that uh, and let's do so lovingly. Well, um, well, as you mentioned earlier, um, and also Ezra and Marcus and myself, uh, Mark, um, there have been many atrocities conducted by biblical figures, religious church preachers and many more. Though Ravi Zacharias was a prestigious figure, you know, uh, I do not see him as the authority of scripture, but more of an academia who sought to bring Christianity to the world. And also myself being exposed to the uh, OCCA, um, Oxford in Asia in Hong Kong, uh, I saw that there were many people uh, within the circle who were not accountable uh, to a particular church or to each other. So now, what are your thoughts about accountability of the parachurch and accountability in the church? Okay, so <clears throat> uh, just as I've said a little bit earlier, I think therefore this gives me a bit of time to expound that a bit further. Explain apologetics, let's take, let's take our organization as an example. We are a parachurch organization, but just as I've said to the team before, and they can uh, testify as to how much I've been nagging about this, uh, we are not a church. Explain apologetics is not a church, we are a parachurch. We are here to aid the church, but we are therefore a select group with a particular interest. We want to aid our fellow brothers and sisters to ensure that they will find, they will know of any and every reason to to be able to give the hope which we have in Christ Jesus, we do that for the organization. We are not a catalyst to replace the church. Absolutely not. So therefore, which is why for us as a team, I always stress, even for myself, that we must first and foremost hold ourselves accountable to, uh, to a church. So I will always chat, you know, with like Marcus and his church, uh, Ruby and her church, Ezra and his church, how are things going? How are, we, how are we holding accountability? To whom are we holding accountability to? How is our relationship with them? How do how uh, how can we inform them so they can continue to hold us in prayer as we go through the valleys of the shadow of death to be able to speak life unto the uh, unto unto dead bodies so that they may know the gospel. So I think one thing that um, we must always maintain is that we will always uh, uh, have a close relationship personally as individuals to our home churches and making sure that we are very much the a part of the fabric of the local church and us as an organization um i really thank the legacy which uh, samuel neeson has already started and that is this we always have cordial direct relationship and communication with any and every church that we are talking to we're not just here to give a hey presto presentation and then walk off no, we always have a conversation with the pastors, with the senior pastors, with the leaders of the church and say, where would you like us to go from here? How can we help you further? Is there anything that we can do to improve so that we are always in step to ensure that we are, that we are proclaiming the gospel at the same pace, in the same language, and in the same culture? So I think if we continue to do that, I pray that God will, find, will, count, us, uh, uh, will count us graciously, uh, in his favor and counted as righteousness as we go to as you go through this by faith um two things i would share uh number one is i do encourage everyone to read uh, james white's response to the matter to the issue by uh of, of rzim and this whole scandal i think james White was brilliant in his response and he points out something that uh, i don't i think not just the apologetic ministries need to take note of but every single para-ministry and every single servant of Jesus need to, to take note of. Um, he warns that 
um, those who serve in parachurch organizations, particularly the apologetic ministries have the fatal tendency to not be held accountable. And he goes on to explain uh, why, because um, the apologetics community typically deals with questions that um, sadly to say many churches don't want to deal with. And so it, it has become the tendency that many would, um, would go out and sort of disassociate themselves from the church um, in pursuit of, of answers or research or you know, whatever it is to achieve that objective. Um, this is, I agree with him, it's, it's very crucial that we, as much as we um, don't like the current climate that affects many churches, we have to recognize that Christ is the head of the church. And it is he who, has, who, who, who establishes the church uh, on the foundations of the prophets and the apostles. Uh, and it is a biblical command, you know, as it says in Hebrews, don't give up meeting one another. We, we need that community and the church uh, is that community that God has placed us in. We are called to be in a church held accountable by elders and people who regularly meet together to do that. Uh, and I believe, I, I believe that the, the report about Ravi was, um, was that he... He didn't really have a church that he consistently goes to. I don't think uh, we are aware of a church that he, he sticks to. And I, I think that is one of the greatest reasons why these things have happened. Uh, you guys can read the report on RZIM and it, it has been said and confessed many times that they didn't really have a structure of accountability for Ravi in particular. Um, so we need to remember that the Bible teaches that it is Christ who is the head of the church. Um, the second thing is, um, I, I would say to listeners who have um, Christian heroes in parachurch organizations or who follow certain programs and stuff, um, whatever you, you learn and whatever you listen, um, please do make it a point to go back and, and, and teach your fellow members if you feel that that is lacking in your church. One of the greatest temptations um, for Christians is to leave whenever people don't agree or to leave when you, you, you don't like certain things within a church. And I think that's, that's a mindset that we have to be very cautious of, that we, not, that we do not just fall to our emotional appeals, but to recognize that if God has opened up your eyes to see certain things, to learn things that um, your members don't see or do not know, uh, make it um, your calling, make it um, your mission to, to teach, to edify your fellow congregate, your, your, your fellow members in your church um, and uh, always uh, think carefully uh, whenever you're tempted to, to leave a church. I know it's not easy uh, being in communities, there's always that temptation in, in seasons, in different seasons of life. Many Christians face that. I think all Christians face that at one point. Uh, but uh, I pray that we come and see what the Bible teaches, what the, what the Bible uh, calls us to do as fellow believers. You know, not to, not to just leave uh, as and when, uh, but to really remain within the community that God has placed us with. And this is, of course, for accountability's sake.
discipline was never is never fun, and calling out uh, false teachings or false practices uh, is never fun. But this is the idea of accountability. Uh, it, it's not a pleasant thing, but we have to keep each other in check. So I do pray that this is something that we set our hearts to do as well. Yeah, um, I believe that the whole fiasco stems not only from the RZIM ministry, but us as believers. Um, sadly, we never really wondered about accountability. I mean, myself as an example, when I met the team, though I realized, uh, I realized there was no accountability, I never really uh, dived deep and thought through it, you know, thoroughly. Uh, and it is a reminder to people that we should never put one on a pedestal. The reason that, you know, most people are behaving such a way with their grievances regarding this whole issue is when I look at it, is that their eyes was on man and on the whole ministry, I mean, man ministry, and not really on God. So, care to share your thoughts? Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, totally. Just as we had mentioned before, is that our hope is that uh, uh, every preacher, uh, for myself, I regularly preach as well. I hope that uh, everyone will look beyond the messenger and go straight to the message. Everyone will look beyond the the the, the champion of the mess of the gospel message. Maybe an eloquent pastor, leads a senior pastor, a lead speaker, uh, eloquent speaker, or itinerant minister in any way, shape, or form. Even like if we have uh, uh, heroes of the missionary faith, the likes of William Carey. Uh, preachers like G.K. Chesterton and Charles Spurgeon, uh, they themselves will always say uh, to not just look, do not look at the messenger, but look beyond the messenger into the message as, uh, as well. This safeguards not just the not just the, the the credibility of the message, but also it save it keeps the the recipient of the message also safe because uh, every vessel, every person will have their ups and downs, their uh, their strong points, but also their weaknesses, their uh, successes, but also their drastic failures. And what keeps us to, uh, to continue in faith and also to continue for his glory is that we continue to remember his message of the gospel. And that is of Christ's redemptive, gracious work on the cross and in the resurrection. That is our only hope. So for anybody, again, who have held Ravi Ji in high esteem. I hold him in high esteem. I hold him in great respect, but I do not hold him above the gospel. And I think when we realize that, yes, the message still transcends and still is lifted up higher than any messenger, then our faith will continue to persevere. Right, absolutely. Um, I think we, I've tackled this as well. We've tackled this uh, before this in the earlier section. Um, I, I don't really have much to say. Um, but to agree with Mark and say, look beyond them. Jesus is the one who deserves our attention. Jesus is the one who died on the cross, not Ravi. Uh, it is Jesus who promises us eternal life, not Ravi as well. Uh, and I just pray that as you go through this period, tough as it may be, may the peace that transcends all understanding be with you. Yeah. I know I've touched on accountability. I know Mark has gone deep in speaking about accountability. But as explained apologetics, how can we ensure that this would not be repeated? And 
what can we learn from this and how do we move forward from here? Well, for one thing, institutionally, we do not hold funding to our own personal discretion. Everything is open, open and clear, especially among the staff, knowing that, you know, uh, funds that have been promised uh, that comes through us to support uh, any personnel or any or any volunteer or any cause, we make sure it's directed to them and we and we hold the receipts and we hold the transactions very clearly. You know, thanks be to God for technology uh, because everything that we do now via online or by transactions all have all have black and white, all have a paper trail. And so we make and so we make sure everything that we that we do is clear and gazetted. Uh, as to our personal time, you know, we have our families, we have our churches, and we have our pastors. And we, as an explained by apologetics, we personally uh, go to uh, each church that we that we uh, that we partner with, and each church that we also individual holds accountability with. And we make sure that we have a frank conversation uh, with uh, with them to make sure that we uphold one another in prayer and we disclose everything. And uh, I do believe that any pastor or leader in our, in our respective churches, if they do have a deep concern, they'll be sure to inform us individually. And if not, bring a brother or sister along either from church or they may call me, myself, or and of course, they may call any one of you to hold me accountable for anything. And uh, we go forward into hoping that uh, we will we will continue to reconcile, hold one another accountable, to talk in great detail of what then we should do or what then we should do so that we may uh, uh, that we may reconcile uh, fully and clearly. Yeah. Um, as a team, we want to make sure that, that we want to make sure that we respond to any uh, any critique uh, clearly, succinctly, objectively. And uh, with the hope for, in all the in all these things, the gospel continues to be clear. His glory, uh, his glory is is displayed, and his wisdom is shared uh, for us all. Uh, we also do have uh, a team of elders and advisors who who are apart from the explain apologetics team that that keeps uh, an account of us as well, um, mainly towards uh, Mark. Uh, Samuel and myself, um, and we do regularly uh, call, uh, not regularly, we do update them uh, on some, uh, on certain events, let's say major plans that we have, or things to do with changes in the finances as well, we do approach and, and, and inform them about it so that they are aware and they could advise us as well on, on what to do and how to proceed as well. Thank you. Thanks. I mean, I would just like to just share my thoughts on the whole thing. I mean, for me, I um, I would just like to say, let us learn to have a heart check and be accountable. Uh, let us know by no means think that we are better or greater than anyone. And because all of us are in this walk together. And personally, I've seen uh, great men from the pulpit, you know, they preach great sermons and yet they later go on and they indulge in other nefarious acts. And I've seen that, and that has really gotten to me in the past, you know. So right now, has apologetics ministry been hit, you know? Uh, like RZIM, yes. I mean, RZIM, they've been hit, and many apologetics ministry that, we are, you know, they're struggling with questions and whatnot. And are we affected by it? Perhaps, you know. 
but that doesn't mean that we should give up and put our face down in shame. I think each and every one of us, whether in apologetics or not, I think we should own up to the things that have happened, step up and move forward. Uh, because being in apologetics means we are always going to be in a war zone. We will always get hit. And for me, if we get hit, um, let us dust ourselves up, pick ourselves and place forward. And I pray that uh, our Father lead us and cause us to reflect during this time. Yeah, just to echo uh, from Ruby onwards. Uh, so we're going to look at Luke 18, uh, verses 18 to 19, when somebody came to Jesus and asked, Good teacher, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus immediately interjected right there and said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And and what can that teach us is uh, first and foremost, just, just to echo what everybody would have said in this conversation is that uh, Ravi, uh, whoever, you know, whether Ravi, whether it's uh, Michael Ramsden, whether it's uh, William Lane Craig or your favorite apologist like Sam Nason or Mark Dunn himself uh, or any of us here as well, we're not good by the way, we're, we're, uh, we've sinned, we've fallen short of the glory of God, and yet in his, uh, in his glory as well, he brought us the gift of grace, and he brought us the gift of salvation, and uh, whether Ravi is uh, condemned for his sin, that is another story, but let's ask ourselves this question. If his flaws remain hidden in the public uh, when he was alive, okay, or even after his death onwards, uh, was he a good person all along? He was never a good person. And and I guess we should have a check of heart. We should have a check of, you know, of our thought on this one. Who do we follow? Who do we serve? And I think the answer is clear, is that we serve God and we follow God alone. And we serve the Lord Jesus Christ uh, throughout the days of our life. And and this is what we as uh, as ministry, this is what we as a team here in and explain apologetics and also explain conversations do is that we and the rest uh, of our team we have the rest of our household we will serve and follow jesus christ alone again it's the end of such a great conversation special shout out to marcus yeah thanks for being featured on the special episode thanks for hey. uh, saying yes for us uh, it's Thank you such for having me too. Uh, it's a pleasure it's a pleasure um, Please say yes more often. Yes, Marcus, say yes more chance. often. <laughs> yeah. That would be an honor. Thank you very much. As to all of you out there, uh, if you have any thoughts, you have any questions, as usual, drop them on the comment section. Uh, personally, write to us as well. Don't forget to uh, follow our Instagram page, Explain Conversation, and like, our, and, like and subscribe our Facebook and YouTube page, Explain Apologetics. We look forward to speaking to you the next round.